0: When you step off into the realm of machine learning, that is where essentially you're not generating fixed rules. So that really is, in my mind, what differentiates a set of algorithms which are rules-based from machine learning. Welcome to The Turn My name is Sebastian
1: Leitner, and in this week's episode, I'm interviewing Jason Pinto. He's the co-founder and CEO of Pace Revenue. Jason has a great profile. Uh, he is a technologist at heart. The conversation really is around where is revenue management going with the sort of merge and emergence of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and conversational, you know, artificial intelligence, if you will. Um, I challenge him because I want to know, is it going to replace Revenue Madras on-site? He stays clear of saying yes, but I can't wait for you to discover his perspective. Welcome to The Turn Down. I'm really pleased to be joined by Jason Pinto, uh, COO and co-founder at Pace. Uh, welcome, Jason. Thank you, Sebastian. Great to be here, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to get right into it. Um, I'm curious what's keeping you up at night these days.
0: Well, I guess I'm uh, not alone in worrying about the broader macroeconomy. You know, it's a kind of a tricky time this and that there's some indicators that look very positive job growth, salaries and so on, but some that look pretty negative, of course, inflation and in particular, the UK and the Eurozone inflation in particular. And of course, fears about, you know, production in china and so on so lots of things we can't control that are keeping me up at night
1: help me demystify some of the assumptions that 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 we have you're based in london in the uk and we hear stories like there is no tomatoes or there's no vegetables and there's no fruits is that true should we send a care pack
0: thank you for your concern i know you friendly canadians are always very concerned about people in london but uh no it's it's obviously uh some of the daily newspapers getting a bit ahead of themselves. Yes, there were shortages here and there, but nothing like the kind of epidemic, this sort of grinding to halt image that people had of the UK. What is clear is that the UK does have uh, much higher inflation than say, anywhere in North America at this point. And that's not great. So we've had a difficult time keeping inflation uh, in check. And that's partly because our central bank has been slower to respond than the US Federal Reserve. But uh, it's, it's, we're still here. We're still here. And the, uh, my, the team across Europe is, is sending us care packages uh, to, to make sure that we, we, don't, uh, we don't miss out tomatoes. All right. Excellent.
1: Well, uh, you mentioned the economy. So on, on one hand, there is inflation. There is the cost of living that is increasing. On the other hand, hoteliers and travel as a whole seems to be going okay. It seems to be going well. What's your point of view there?
0: Yeah, I think obviously this is all about perspective. So of course, our industry came off uh, a hundred year pandemic. So, you know, probably the worst time that anyone in the industry alive has ever seen. So off of that base, we've done incredibly well in 2021, 2022, and now 2023. So I think there was obviously a lot of pent up demand and obviously a lot of the sort of pandemic money that went into people's pockets went into travel because consumers were doing revenge travel and so on. And I think as well, a long term trend of remote working and the digital nomad has obviously helped travel and transport more broadly. So I think all indicators were looking positive versus that very low base and in general versus sort of long term historic norms that and i saw you know one kind of slightly worrying graph which is that you know there was this surplus of cash in the us just after pandemic times and that's being unwound as we speak so you know there's probably a few months left of surplus cash in the consumer's pocket and we'll see how travel and transport fares once that surplus cash has been spent and we are kind of quote back to normal in that regard as well but certainly in the in the sort of short term we're you know, all systems go and everything appears to be continue pointing upwards and to the right.
1: Based on the data you're seeing, are you expecting the summer to be high demand, high ADR continuation of what you, we've seen in 2022?
0: Yeah, I'd say that's the case. I'd say that uh, you know, obviously summer is such an important time for hoteliers everywhere, and we don't see any any worries about summer. Uh so we're we're quite excited and our customers are quite excited about you know a a great summer ahead of them
1: and then moving out of summer is is there i I don't know stormy clouds ahead or uh are things sort of tampering off from your perspective
0: well my crystal ball unfortunately is not (laughs) as clear as most others and more importantly i'm not in the business of forecasting that's a instant opportunity to look foolish right economic forecasting so you know i think Mixed signals is the best I can see from what I've read and from what our customers are saying. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll see. That far ahead is, is starts getting trickier.
1: Excellent. I'll look at this recording in six months and uh, and see how we did against it. <laughs>
0: As I said, forecasting is an easy opportunity to feel foolish in a few months for Diego,
1: Jason, I'm curious how you got started uh, with Pace. Uh, you've been the co-founder, I believe, since 2017, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, we got started then.
1: Yeah, help us understand how you got started. What the idea was behind it. Um, yeah, uh, tell us how Pace become became Pace.
0: Sure. So, those that know me and my co-founders and the great team that we've been lucky enough to have join us on this adventure will note that you know we're mostly technologists, data scientists, engineers, etc. Uh, and we brought on over time some really excellent people from the hospitality industry. But we didn't start there. We started mostly with entrepreneurs and techies like myself. And we started there because we had uh, you know, this kind of much bigger desire to solve price. Every company needs to have a kind of a hag, a big hairy ego, And so that was ours, right? We, it was clear to us that price was being set quite badly using... Excel spreadsheets, heuristics, etc., or very old software in lots of industries. And so we actually started much broader than just the hospitality industry. We started with desire to solve price using the tools of modern data science, decision intelligence, machine learning. But very quickly, we decided to focus on hospitality because of all the amazing dynamics that you find in the hospitality industry. Uh, first off, it's a gigantic industry. I'm preaching to the choir here, obviously, <laughs> but I think most people outside the industry don't realize how huge the industry is, yeah? Touching a trillion dollars on a good year in, in spend. And, you know, that's an entrepreneur's dream come true, a big market with what was clearly still an unmet need and, um, you know, competition that hadn't completely dominated the space. So those are the things that really took us in to focus in on the hospitality market from you know soon after founding and it's been a great journey since uh, and that we've been you know continuing to build the team and grow up grow both on the technology side but also with some really amazing people from the hospitality industry with that right balance so that we can sort of challenge the orthodoxies of the industry but obviously know enough to speak our customers language understand their pain points very clearly so we think that that balance is really an important one to strike and we we continue to work hard at that as you
1: went from sort of pricing potentially more goods to focusing on hospitality, what were some of the unique traits this industry had that you sort of
0: observed that you were surprised of maybe? I think complexity is one. Uh, so I think from outside the industry, people go, oh, you're just setting prices. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that really belies a, a lack of understanding about how complex things are when you get into the complexities of rate codes and the incredible numbers of integrations you need to build, and the sort of lack of data and the scarcity of good data as well, you really are into a problem that is quite a difficult one to solve because of that. As well, the number of people that need to be involved in the decision here, yeah? in that it's not just setting a price, setting a restriction, managing a rate. You have lots of people involved in the process, both, you know, from the decision-making standpoint, but also downstream of the decision. So for all those reasons, I think the complexity of the problem was something that, you know, uh, the more we dug early on in the company's life, the more interesting it was to us. And for us as technologists, that's a moat, because we want to go solve hard, hard problems for customers, right? If, if the problems are easy to solve, you don't generate a significant moat behind what you're doing. So that was that was great to us. But I think the one other thing that was, I think, difficult about the industry is that there's, and you'll probably resonate with this as well, Sebastian, that there's a severe underinvestment in technology across the hospitality industry Mm -hmm. for good reasons. I mean, the industry has been very cost focused for a very long time and technology is seen as a cost center. So consequently, everyone is looking to try and find the least expensive solution to their problems rather than the best one that can grow their business, grow their revenue, accelerate their decision-making. So I think that's been something that we've, you know, hopefully as an industry, getting getting past, but you know, in some cases, persists.
1: That's so interesting. You mentioned in your description um, of your product, uh, machine learning, and um, I guess artificial intelligence. How much of, I guess, your product is controlled by a artificial intelligence, if if I may call it like this? Uh, is there a, is there, is there? Um, a virtual mind behind your tools, behind your
0: algorithm. Yes. Well, you saw my eyes light up once you stumbled <laughs> onto that topic. Uh, so to get, uh, you know, go to the start for a second, we started this company with the strong conviction that machine learning was going to change every industry, not just hospitality. So it was really at the genesis of creation of pace. So we're really excited that the kind of rusted of world has caught up to our excitement about ML and AI. In terms of whether there's a brain behind uh, behind me here, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's a sentient brain. I think, you know, I'm I'm at, at uh, paradoxically incredibly excited about the future of AI and machine learning, but also a bit pessimistic in that you know the hype is is pretty wild at this point, right? With people saying that these machines are sentient and so on, they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, machine learning has become an incredibly powerful tool to Essentially, do automated decision making and assist humans in making better decisions. But in nowhere is the no case rather is the tool sentient. So there's not some brain that's going to, you know, herald a kind of a Terminator two apocalypse behind me. It really is about a better decisioning tool to drive better better commercial decisions.
1: At the risk of nerding out, I, I want to learn from you because I think you're the person that I will learn from. Uh, I'm familiar with the concept of what an algorithm is. At what point does an algorithm stop and machine learning start? Like where yeah. do, where, where, where does the one plus one equals two plus X plus Y plus to the power of stop and become a self-learning, I guess, mechanism, if you will? Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Wh- Can you help me understand that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're straying into waters where there's active conversation, not just amongst technologists and entrepreneurs, but philosophers, people who study, um, you know, the mind's eye and these kinds of things. So we're getting into very deep waters here, but I'll Mm -hmm. try and not make it too boring a lecture. I would say first off the division in my mind between AI and machine learning, the real rigorous use of AI I think should be reserved ultimately for artificial general intelligence. So these are really sort of multi-domain intelligence systems that we haven't produced yet. So yeah. that's you know, what I think most rigorous scientists would, would use uh, as a definition for AI, but we happily will use AI to describe, describe other systems in a, in a more colloquial way.
1: Mm-hmm. In
0: terms of when you go from a line that is an algorithm to uh, machine learning, I'd say first off, uh, uh, you start with a rules system. So in its simplest form, algorithms are essentially a set of rules. And that's the way lots of other platforms and, you know, prior to the advent of machine learning, basically all quote, intelligent systems operated right where there were rigid rules They were ultimately quite fragile. When you step off into the realm of machine learning, uh, that is where essentially you're not generating fixed rules. So that really is, in my mind, what differentiates a set of algorithms which are rules-based from machine learning. It's where the fixed rules are not being generated by a human, essentially not being hardwired by a human being. They essentially are generated as a consequence of the data you feed the system to trade it. Okay. Oh, I, I got it. Uh, Hopefully that made some sense. I know I <laughs> Normally, when I start talking about ML and AI, people start glazing over. You can tell them no, the worst in the party yes, because this is an area I'm quite passionate about.
1: So the 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 rules are more flexible. Um, they can be used. I guess the machine decides what rules to apply based on the data that is. Essentially,
0: with. essentially, in, in some sense, then then it's it's not a rules based system, because rules generally implies something has been hardwired by a human being. Yeah. Okay. Essentially, an if-then statement for those that are a little bit more computer literate, like yourself, versus okay. something that's more flexible, more open, and, and less rigid.
1: All right, I, I think well done. I, I'm 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 smarter, <laughs> uh, which is great. Now let's let's bring this intelligence, if you will, or this machine learning to a hotelier, a property, and, and let's start with that, which is sort of the small independent, fifty-room property of which there are plenty of uh, in this world uh, that doesn't have a revenue manager on site, right? There is no revenue management practice. How do we help them, I guess, discover revenue management in step one and step two is potentially, you know, get them to use a tool like your product pace, but uh, I'm sure there are others out there as well. I'm just curious, like how do we remove some of the fear and at the same time you know maybe work on the awareness that such tool is critical absolutely what's your what's your point of view there
0: i think first of all you have to be thinking about the upside so you know we didn't build this business to create clever science experiments we built this business to produce results for our customers and results there means better performance commercially so all our customers engage with us because we produce better results and we have a really exciting roadmap of you know, additions to a platform that will continue driving better results. So that's the first thing I would say to someone in these kinds of conversations, that revenue management is really about generating better results. And if you're doing nothing today, or you're in an Excel spreadsheet or something along those lines, there's a lot of low-hanging fruits that will immediately drive better results for you. So, you know, it's, it's essentially a commercial argument as to why you should be using a revenue management system like Pace Revenue. I'd say the other important bit is that it drives better decision-making outside of the sort of tactical things that a a machine learning system can do, yeah? In that the human being is not totally cut out of the loop. In fact, the human being here is freed up from these sort of short-term tactical decisions so that they can make better strategic decisions, so our platform enables better data-driven decision-making the human users as well. So in many ways, this is going to make your day better because you'll be freed of sitting behind an Excel spreadsheet. All of that busy work will be taken care of by the machine learning AI system. You'll be focused on some key strategic decisions that can really drive a differentiated uh, improvement for your business. And then you'll be off doing what you started a business for, which is pleasing guests, right? i mean Uh most hoteliers get into the business because they want to provide a great service and engage with a customer not because they want to sit behind a a computer with an excel spreadsheet this product frees you from that and enables you to be on that path
1: so continuing on that train of thought if i'm a owner and operator of a hotel set hotel let's say 50 or even 100 rooms should i hire a revenue manager should i purchase a revenue management
0: system this yeah, well, again, that... Uh, or do I need to do both? Or do I yes, need to do exactly, both? Exactly, exactly. So I would say, you know, so most of our customers are quite a bit bigger. So they have revenue teams, actually, in most cases, with, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not just a, a VP of revenue management or chief revenue officer, but teams below below them as well. I would say as you get to the smaller scale, you get into the question of, does it make sense to have a full-time revenue management person or a part-time You know, there's some excellent individuals out there who do revenue management consulting, where they'll basically help you manage your business using a product like ours, but they'll do that for a number of businesses. So I think uh, the combination of the human and the person, we believe, is the one that results in the best outcomes. It's really a question of finding the right platform for you, of which we are. We are one and we think we're the best out there, but don't take my word for it. Look at the results. But then also in terms of the people, there's really quite a broad array in that you don't have to have a full-time person if you're at such a smaller scale that it doesn't make sense. There's some great individuals out there who can do it part-time.
1: So it's not either or. It I is... don't
0: think so. Okay. I really think the combination is the one that, that results in a win here.
1: Okay. Very interesting. I want to lighten a little bit this conversation because we went right into deep waters uh, with machine learning and our AI. Uh, I want to do a quick lightning round. Um, So the purpose here is just, just, you know, say what comes to mind. I'll throw a word at you and, you know, you can, uh, uh, you know, let your mind wander, if you will. Um, I'm going to start with travel
0: in 2030. Human. Social media. Opportunity, but challenging. Okay. leisure. What I want to be doing. (laughs) Uh, Digital marketing. Incredibly important. Uh, Direct versus OTA. More complicated. Luggage. I would like to leave behind. (laughs) Turn down. A great podcast that I happen to be speaking on now. Okay,
1: excellent, excellent. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, COVID. Uh, I know we've left that behind you. You mentioned it early on um, uh, in your remarks as a, i guess driver of a different perspective um um you know we 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 felt in your commentary at least you mentioned that we felt very positive about the last three years but that's on the back of you know a period of time where travel has completely stopped for a lot of countries and for a lot of uh, people and uh, that uh, were restrained at home i'm curious what you personally have learned
0: from this experience if, if if I may say so. Sure. Uh, I think, you know, it's clear that the time was so challenging for hoteliers, but uh, we have deep empathy for people that went through such a difficult time because it was a very difficult time for us as a company as well. Uh, You know, we were still in the early days of pace and, you know, getting hit with this kind of existential crisis early on in the business's life was not easy. For me, what I learned was really the resiliency of people. Uh, in particular, I'm so proud of the team of people that we've been lucky enough to recruit, uh, around us that, you know, people hunkered down, gritted their teeth, powered through it, supported each other through this time, which was, was tricky for everybody personally, not just professionally, but really came out strong. And to me, that was just a huge testament to the resiliency of, of people ar- around us. And and the grit that people have when they're really put to the test.
1: Is there a change that you didn't see coming out of the pandemic?
0: Well, I mean, the thing was, when we were in the early days of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. nobody knew anything really, right? Mm -hmm. There were probably some epidemiologists and biologists who had, you know, many PhD theses written about what would happen, but they were mostly ignored, unfortunately, in the early days. So no one knew, and so I had very little expectations about what, would uh, what would come to pass. What has been amazing, though, is just this incredible adoption of technology during that time in every sphere of our lives, right? I mean, we're speaking on one right now, a video conferencing that has just accelerated to the stratosphere during this time. It's now the norm. Pre-COVID. It was something that a few techies used. I mean, it was important, but not nearly as structurally important as video conferencing is today. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that's an example of a lot of areas of technology that were really uh, received this kind of huge accelerant through through the times of COVID. And I think, you know, the other thing, of course, was the incredible bounce back of businesses like Airbnb, for example. I know it's the, the hotelier's favorite, uh, favorite threat and favorite uh, thing to worry about. But they were a good example of something, a business that a lot of people counted for dead and that's came right. back stronger than ever. And I think as part of the hospitality community, we should be sharing that because that's, that's part of partly the story of all hotel is.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Let's stick with technology for, for a minute. Um, I'm curious what technology you think will disrupt the travel industry
0: the most in the upcoming years. I mean, I'm talking my own game here, but ML and AI uh, okay. are clearly going to be hugely disruptive. Uh, you know, you've seen, for example, the many cool experiments people are running with these, uh, with these generative uh, generative chat models, planning holiday, holidays and so on. So I think it's really interesting because these things can essentially pass intent in the way that we had reserved essentially for a human being in a previous go-round. And that's clearly going to change the way people plan travel, book travel, et cetera. Of course, anything quantitative like revenue management has already been disrupted by machine learning, uh, mm-hmm. so that's only going to continue. But I'm, as I said earlier, just an extreme optimist about what's coming down the pipes, albeit with some you know, annoyance at the level of hype, but uh, I think I'm extremely excited
1: so, so what area do you think will be most disrupted when we stay with AI or the generative, um, uh, I guess, intelligence uh, or creation of content? we talk a lot about, um, you know, application and support in guest communication in uh, maybe FAQs that, uh, you know, uh, the internet can answer all the questions that I may have about a specific destination. But are there particular areas that you think will be disrupted more? Um, I still think that we haven't figured out search for instance, right? I don't want hundred pages of results. I want one product that fits my needs. And
0: yeah, you want your question answered, right? You want your question answered. Correct. No, exactly. And correct. And of course, Google's recent release of BOD at, at Google IO is mm-hmm. moving in that direction. There's huge consequences for the economic structure of the internet actually, because so much is driven by search revenue. Mm-hmm. that, you know, moving to essentially a question-answer format is going to change, just structurally change so much about the economics of the Internet. But, uh, you know, I'll try and stay away from my own area because that's probably okay. a little bit boring. Yeah. But one thing that is clear, actually, is the generation of content is totally disrupted by this in that, you know, some of the more intriguing examples you've seen produced by generative AI have been story generation, uh, email writing, content writing for marketing. So these areas, I think, are already in the bullseye of this, of this technology and will mm-hmm. only be more so as we add more capable image generating models, for example, right, the ones that are out there are okay, but they have problems with hands and a few other problems. But once mm-hmm. we start being able to generate, you know, more lifelike images, more lifelike video from a prompt, It's sky's the limit, quite frankly, of what kind of content we can generate to drive better marketing performance.
1: Now, I want to talk about what you think it will do to revenue management as well, because, you know, I consider you're somewhat of an expert in that field. So, uh, do you mind predicting what it will do to revenue management?
0: Not at all. So, I would say more of the same. So mm-hmm. we, as I mentioned, started this company to drive down this path of creating autonomous uh, autonomous systems. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to only get a, an ex- a huge accelerant from the investment that the broader AI community is putting into this technology. What does that mean for Hotelier? Well, better results, first of all, uh, in that these systems will be more capable of actually generating the right price, restrictions, et cetera. Uh, so really incredible in that regard. But I think as well, a better interface to more parts of the organization in that right now, uh, you know, probably revenue managers engage with the numbers and they are the interface that has to provide essentially a translation layer between the numbers and a kind of a human storytelling around the numbers. I think that'd be hugely assisted by some of the generative models that we're seeing now that can essentially explain what, uh, what some of these models are doing to drive better revenue. So I think they're going to be really powerful co-pilots or aid to the smart revenue managers out there. In in some sense, I I like the term force multiplier in that they will really provide a huge multiplier of the power that revenue managers currently has in in her or his head and hands at this point.
1: So in other words, a description of the graph that you're seeing in front of you, um, and what the critical, I guess takeaways are from the statistic that is presented to you. Uh,
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that you always see being pitched to revenue management, uh, you know, people coming up in the revenue management industry is part of your job as a revenue manager storytelling. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to pitch why you're doing what you're doing to people outside of the revenue management space, your chief commercial officer, your CEO, et cetera and get them bought into the strategy you're adopting and you know basically why you've made certain decisions that you've made. There's going to be more and more, I think, from the sort of generative ML market helping revenue managers be better at that, in addition to driving better results, which is, not, again, what, what we're already down the path of. So I'm, I'm quite excited about, about these kinds of things, ultimately making the revenue manager a hero here. That
1: sounds like a huge enabler. Um, which I'm very much looking forward. Before we wrap up, I, I'm curious if there's a question that you would have liked me to ask you. Is there any topic that we haven't covered that you're passionate about that uh, you wanted to cover?
0: Uh, topic I'm passionate about? Let's see. Uh, gosh, well, we've, we've obviously spent a lot of time talking about what is my favorite <laughs> topic, so I have to think of my second favorite child. If that's okay. that's an allowed expression. Does that
1: exist? Does that exist?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it, yes, you know, yeah, I have a broad church of, of love. I'm, 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 okay. I'm all about the love here. Excellent. Uh, I, I would say, um, you know, one of the things that I think a lot about is the change that's happening more broadly to the hospitality industry. And again, this is at its core a change driven by technology. So, You know, I've spoken a lot about ML and so forth, uh, but I often tell my team that, you know, we kind of live in the future. And for a lot of businesses, a spreadsheet in a website is not like magic, right? Like lots of businesses are still at the early days of adopting technology. So just doing things in the cloud is something that's quite new and can be quite scary to lots of people who have not been on this journey before. But so for me, it's 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 a broader story about technology adoption and the wave of change that's happening across this industry, driven by you know the consumerization of IT. Everybody has an iPhone or an Android phone and expects that kind of experience from their enterprise software as well. You know, everybody has mobile internet and expects to be you know connected everywhere. So I think these kinds of pushes that came from the consumer world actually. Are uh, what makes me quite excited about this kind of wave of technology change and adoption that's happening in the industry. And it benefits all of us. CloudBeds is a good example as well. So it benefits all these companies that have been basically, you know, early days pushing this change for a very long time. So I think that's the second child I would say excited about. Exactly. Excellent. Exactly. Excellent. But it does require some human humanity, I think, that we can't forget that, right? That we have to take these. You know, these humans along this journey with us and can't can't get swept away speaking about ai and and the philosophy of ai ultimately this mm. human being that has been the driver's seat for all these technologies
1: all right final two questions i'm curious if you could live anywhere in the world where which
0: where would it be well again you're playing to my type here in that i'm from trinidad <laughs> and tobago okay. so you know that going home being able to go home more often is something that i really have set on as, a, as an important uh, important milestone or metric I need to hit this year. The family are getting a little bit annoyed. They haven't seen me very often. Uh, so that, that would be one. And then, uh, we have spent a fair bit of time and have some good friends in Brazil. So, you know, I suppose I'm boring in that I, I stay within the Americas. Uh, but we do, we do love the music. We do love the culture. We do love the passion of the people. So there you go.
1: perfect and it sounds like you can put one next to the other because it's in the same time zone or at least it's same Lose. same same direction uh okay. jason thank you so much for your time really appreciated okay. your insights your conversation your uh, with around um uh, you know revenue management ai machine learning uh, and everything around it uh with that uh thank you so much for joining me today and i look forward to seeing you soon for sure at an industry event nearby somewhere in real life life.
0: Sebastian thank you very much for the time thanks for having me on and thanks to the audience for the attention thank
1: you for listening to the turndown don't forget to subscribe and tune in next week as we discover new exciting guests